0: Computer, initialize holosuite.
1: Star Trek books, they've been around for decades. Join us, the Trek ladies, Kavora and Jen, as we discuss the novels one at a time. Welcome to the Ladies Trek Library. Hello, this is Ladies' Trek Library, and I'm Kevora, and I'm back with Jen. How are you, Jen?
0: Hey, I'm doing good, and it's good to be back talking about Star Trek books.
1: All right, so our book this time is The Price of the Phoenix by Sandra Marshak and Myrna Colbreth. So uh, the description on the back of the book says, Captain Kirk is dead. Long live Captain Kirk. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and the other crewmen of the Starship Enterprise experience a stunning double shock. The first painful blow is Captain Kirk's tragic death. Then Captain Kirk's miraculous rebirth reveals the most awesome force the Enterprise has ever encountered. Spock is forced into a desperate gamble for Kirk's human soul against Omni, the ultra-human emperor of life beyond life and death beyond hell. Okay, so that's the way they described it. So basically, it is um, Captain Kirk dies, or at least they think he died. And so Omni is the the villain of the book. He created a a duplicate of Kirk. He he basically cloned Kirk right before he died. And then later in the book, we find out that Kirk wasn't actually dead. But the the whole of the book is things like what would you what would you do if your best friend died but you had this copy of him that's an exact duplicate It, it might as well be the same person he has all the memories and and can pass like biologically he's exactly the same so that is the idea behind the book so uh any other messages you want to say that the book brought out jen
0: um well of course there were a lot of messages about what to do whether the so uh, to make it a little more clear, because, of course, we know at the beginning, um, you know, the ship is mourning the loss of Captain Kirk. But, you know, as a reader, you know, obviously he can't really be dead because <laughs> right, <laughs> he goes on in later books and shows. So we know he doesn't really die. He has to come back. Um, but, uh, you know, so then they we find out that Omni has created this uh, duplicate. And he's not just a duplicate, but he what he did is he took the memories of Captain Kirk at the moment before he died, which he, he talked. we find out later he really didn't die, Om, Omni was just lying. Um, but he has, like you said, the same memory, so he's really the same person. And he also has the ability to do this, like, an infinite number of times. So he can create all these Captain Kirks, and they're not just clones, um, you know, like in next generation nemesis where Picard had a clone, but he really wasn't the same person because he had a different life experience. And these are all clones who have the same memories and, you know, they basically are Captain Kirk. And so it raises the question of, uh, if the original, when we find out that the original isn't died, hasn't died, uh, are these clones, uh, you know, are they Kirk? And if they are, what, you know, what, what kind of life is in store for them? You can't have two Kirks in Starfleet. Um, and what are they going to do with their, with their life? Um, so there's that uh, question. And then I think there's the question about uh, the Omni who kind of is a, a calm like figure. Um, although I felt like he was, maybe a little more evil and uh, more powerful because, I mean, Khan is an enhanced human, but uh, Omni is not human and he's much stronger than a human and even than a Vulcan. And you don't really ever find out the answer, but a lot of the questions are why is Omni so angry towards Captain Kirk and Starfleet? Um, You know, what happened in his past to make him have this vengeance? And if you have this power, which basically Uh, makes him kind of immortal, because he can, you know, if he's about to die, he can just transfer his memories into another body and continue to keep living. Um, So there's the question of the the power corrupting Omni, and also if this power that he has gets out to Starfleet or the Romulans or the Klingons, um, you know, how would that change things if people can basically die and come back to life an unlimited number of times?
1: Yes, it's a great um, science fiction concept you have here, immortality or recreating yourself. And, and I did read that uh, one of the authors of the book is actually a, a philosopher. I mean, has a degree in philosophy, and, and the book is deeply philosophical. All, there, I mean, it's a lot of dialogue in this book. Um, there is some action, but but the dialogue about, um, you know, what, what would you do, like as I said, and I mean, it's all about – Spock and Kirk and what, you know, what, what are they going to do with this duplicate of Kirk and how are they going to live out the rest of their lives? Um, and and part, of, part of it, part of the book talked about um, slavery in a sense. You have the Kirk, oh, and the, and the book says like the duplicate of Kirk is called James just to avoid confusion and Jim is the original Kirk. So James the clone um, Omni, like right, it was right at the beginning when Omni said, "I created you, so I own you," and then James said, "But, but, but I have a soul. You can't own a soul," and that was, you know, a great philosophical punch.
0: Yes, and this caution of slavery sort of comes up again with um, when uh, when a question about what what to do with James and the, you know, and Spock and also the Romulan commander is there. Um, who, I, I don't know, I guess that's all we can call her since we never learned what her name is in the show. I think in the novel verse we do, but um, you know, it's determined that James can't live in, in the Federation because there can't be two Captain Kirk's. Um, and so uh, he's going to go off with the Romulan commander and, and live with her in the Romulan Empire um, disguised as a Romulan. Um, but then it, it kind of comes up that in a way, then, he would sort of be like a slave to her, because she would have this power over him that she knows his secret, that he's he's not Romulan. Um, and he kind of will have to depend on her to,
1: to remain and, you
0: know, to keep his identity a secret.
1: Yeah, that is something they brought up about, yeah, right at the end, about what he, what uh, James, the clone, is going to do next. And and um so there was a sequel to this the the fate of the phoenix and I, and I read the sequel but you didn't read it right
0: no I didn't yet
1: yeah. okay so I mean because the next book goes into a lot more about James I mean I mean basically having to do what she what she says but that's well that's another story so anyway so getting into so the another subject about this book that like because there was so much about the relationships about about Kirk's and uh, Kirk and Spock and the Romulan Commander, and it was one of the things that I always liked about about this book. I mean when I first read this, I don't know I think I was about eleven, and I thought it was great then and and one of the things I loved was how it um plays on the relationship of Kirk and Spock. They are such best friends and and what would Spock do if, if he lost Kirk but had a chance to to get Kirk back again? And I just thought, like, Star Trek doesn't have any other characters that are so close as friends that you could have that kind of story with. And, I mean, it's still true, but also, but reading the book now, I just read it recently, and it's, you know, I didn't I didn't like it as much, but I still say that's still a strong point of the book is um, that relationship. Um, what, what did you think?
0: Well, I do agree with you on that, but I felt like, and maybe you didn't pick up on it reading it the first time if you were only 11, I really felt like the authors were probably um, Kirk Spock slash fans, and they really were trying hard to imply a romantic relationship between Kirk and Spock, um, which I did not like. Um, You know, I just don't feel that it's canon. I think that's fine for fan fiction, if people like that, that's, you know, um, whatever, you know. But um, in a novel, uh, really, I just felt there were so many sexual innuendos, and also not just between Kirk and Spock, but between Omni um, and Kirk. Um, that to me, it just came off as very creepy, um, kind of like a creepy fan fiction that I wouldn't want to read. Uh, that <laughs> yes. kind of ruined <laughs> the friendship aspect. Because I think they could have made it about, you know, there have been other novels and even in the movies we've seen where they have this deep friendship. And, and I hate that deep friendship always gets turned into, oh, if they're this good friends, there must be something sexual, um, which I don't think is necessarily true. And that's kind of, you know, demeans a friendship to me. So I wish they had, had been able to do that without crossing that line. Um, but yes, you're right about also the dialogue. Um, And I I guess I just felt that so typically if a book has too much action and it's just a lot of detailed, you know, there's some Star Trek novels where it's page after page describing actions, and I don't care for that too much. Um, But this was kind of the other end of the extreme. It was so much dialogue um, and it, it was trying to be very philosophical, but I really had a hard time getting through it because I'd be reading these long dialogues and then I didn't really even remember or understand anymore what point they were trying to make, uh, you know, or what they were referring to. And it just got very confusing and boring to me. So, um, you know, I, this probably of the books that we've covered, um, for this podcast, this is the one that I've liked the least and that I struggled the most to finish. I really had to just keep pushing myself to read it. And, I just didn't like it, um, and a lot of it had to do with the just dialogue and nothing happening, um,
1: and not being able to follow the dialogue. I know what you mean. Yeah, there were a lot. There was a lot of talk in it, and I kind of yeah, yeah. It was it was a struggle for me too. I was surprised at like how hard it was to read this time. Um, and and it had a lot with the Romulan commander and Spock, and, and we. I mean, yeah, we can say we, we know that they did like each other. But, I mean, even with them, or the Rhymon Commander also seemed to be interested in Kirk in this book, there was a point where I think it said that they kissed, and it was like, you know, um, how could that be you know, and even at the end of the book, when she decides to go off with the uh, with the clone of Kirk, and then you're thinking, i you know I just I'm not sure if that if those characters really were like they weren't presented that way on the show, you wouldn't think they would do that. Even though she, she admired Kirk as a captain, I'm sure, but I don't think she was interest, interested in him like she was in Spock.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. It kind of twisted the show a little bit around because, you know, on the show, she she does have this romantic scene with Spock. And, you know, of course, he betrays her, but, um, you know, we know there's an attraction there. Um, and you never saw that, any sort of attraction between her and Kirk. And they. Instead of her in this uh, book being, you know, you could see, I could see maybe, a, 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 you know, something between her and Spock rekindling, um, even though he betrayed her. Um, but the Kirk thing kind of was like, where'd that come from? Um, and, you know, she seemed to be very much in love with, um, well, not with Kirk, the original,
1: but with James, the, the clone. Yeah, to a strange, um, and, um. And and I do understand that this story actually did start out as as fan fiction. It was printed in some fanzine back in the 70s, but then they added to it to make it a book, to make it a novel to be published. But, yeah, so it was originally fan fiction. And I I didn't read the original story. I don't don't know how far it went with with Slash or anything, but, um, yeah, it did did actually come from that. Um, But it's very strange. I mean, yeah, getting into the, to those kind of relationships. Um, but I did like how, let's see, the, the original Kirk, he, he was a strong commander. I mean, he, he was still, he still was in charge a lot, but then in other times, he lost in a fight against Omni. We're supposed to think Omni is this, you know, huge character. Sometimes he's referred to as a giant, even though I don't think he's literally a giant, but... I mean, he, he beats Kirk to a pulp, and it says that Kirk started crying, and that's, mm, I think, another mishandling of the character as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could, and you know, that just reminded me that, here I am saying there's so much dialogue and not a lot of action, but there was some action, and there was one, the scene that you're talking about, there, and that is one thing where it just drug out for so long, and, um, where it's Omni, the first part of the book is basically um, Omni is just beating Kirk to a pulp, um, just torturing him, beating him, and that went on forever. And I was like, how many pages of this? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then until and, and he wants him to, you know, he wants to break him. And eventually he, he feels that he, even though Kirk cries, that he can't break him. But then again, it got into the the sexual innuendo thing where, um, you know, Omni has this, uh, he's got all these fancy, you know, he's got all these fancy gadgets and this really, you know, incredible technology besides being able to clone people and transfer their memories from living people into his clones. He's got this spray that you can spray on people that will heal all their wounds. Um, So, of course, after he, you know, beats Kirk Pretty badly, he you know goes to uh, spray the stuff on him to heal him, and then they make this big scene about him undressing him, and, and it was kind of like really, <laughs> like, <sorry>. yeah, really.
1: <laughs> but the um yeah, actually I like that spray thing though. That that was kind of realistic having the regenerative spray. You know that was a neat idea, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that was a cool idea, and I think the idea of the technology that Omni had was cool. Um, That was interesting. And then, you know, he lives, the whole idea of the planet that he lives on, which um, is this kind of like a Wild West-type planet where, you know, there's no laws, and you get people coming from all over the galaxy um, to live there. Some of them are living, like, in the Wild West, with, like, actual guns. Um, But then Omni has built uh, this... Uh, labyrinth where he hides Kirk Um, and it's, it's such a labyrinth that even Spock is really not able to locate where Kirk has been hidden um, because it's just, you know, it's just immense. Um, So those were all kind of neat ideas um, that I thought were interesting. I just don't, didn't like the story that, you know, but, but good ideas there.
1: And so Omni as a villain was also very different. Um, well, he was he was almost the perfect villain. I mean, he was intelligent and powerful, and he he had this plan all thought out. And I, I mean, it's like like you know, in the dialogue, he he was very good at the at the comebacks. At um at um he could refute just about everything that that Kirk and Spock and the commander said to him. So in that way, he was good, and he was the kind of villain that it's like. When you're reading it, you're thinking, "Oh, how are they going to defeat him?" I mean, I mean, in that way, he was a good storybook villain. What did you think?
0: Yeah. Um, well, like I said, he's in a way he was kind of like a con-like figure, but but maybe more powerful than Colin. Um, and he had a lot of followers. Um, you know, he had these Romulan guards and uh, other allies. Um, he we they never really reveal exactly what uh, happened, but we know that, and maybe they do in the sequel. I don't know, but um, they, you know, they hint that he's he's out for revenge, that he doesn't like the Federation because of something that happened in his past. And I, like when I was first reading it at the beginning, I thought it sounded like almost like the Federation had somehow been responsible for the death of uh, someone that he loved. But then at the end, they kind of make it – they give a little bit of an explanation, which is sort of – which kind of isn't that, which is like he, he's unhappy with how the Federation changed things, but they – where he lived, but they don't make it clear. Um, so he's kind of like a villain who's out for revenge. So, you know, that is like Khan and some of the other villains that we've seen. Um, and he also just so – that was, you know – that can be interesting but i don't like how they sort of made him his his goal was just to break uh you know kirk and just he's just brutal and he just he's not interested in just killing his enemies he wants to you know make them suffer um so i, I don't know how i feel about it. that's just kind of creepy when you have a villain like that you know
1: it is it makes for it's yeah yeah this is like a Mary Sue story, which has been, you know, talked about in on the Internet and in fan literature. Um, another idea is hurt comfort, where he wants to torture them and then and then provide the, the comfort for healing. But it's sort of in a in a romantic way, almost if you're if you're reading between the lines. And that's kind of almost what this is. And, and oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah, I was going to say yes. And, you know, I I didn't. I should have. That should have occurred to me when I was reading that. That that's probably what they what they were going for. I just don't read that kind of um, fanfic. Um, but that's true. And then there was also a bit of like the Stockholm syndrome kind of thing going on, where you know, after Omni tortures Kirk and then heals him, not completely, but Kirk begins to start to feel sort of like an empathy
1: to Omni. Yes. For a little bit. And I think that, like, the second book didn't really, it didn't give a lot lot about Omni's history either. Um, The thing I did get from it is that they kind of imply that he might be an enhanced Romulan, almost like Khan, a part of genetic engineering, but maybe he might be part Romulan or Vulcan, and that's the only thing they really hinted at. Mm. But they're they're saying that that, that's the reason he has this uh, super strength that he has, I also kind of pictured him being like a Dark Side from DC Comics, you know, Superman's enemy, who was this really huge guy who was very intelligent, who who could do. He was very powerful, and he almost, you know, he could embarrass Superman, and but also he was like he was the ultimate enemy in strength and everything else.
0: Hmm. I, I'm not familiar with Superman or that character,
1: so I don't know. But interesting. So um, let's go on and talk about the now. The, the authors do seem to have knowledge of Star Trek. I mean, they. I mean, unlike some of the books we've reviewed where it seems like some of the authors really didn't know that much about Star Trek. They were just asked to write a book or something. Um, so these writers threw in, oh, well, of course, the Romulan commander and things like um, Tal, remember, subcommander Tal, and the mind meld, the Vulcan mind meld. Um, and what's interesting is, like, with the mind-meld, you know how Spock mind-melded with James, the clone, and they said in the mind-meld he was able to put sort of a marker in James's brain so that, so that Spock would know that this is the, the one that he mind-melded with in case Omni had made other copies. That was another thing about Omni. He, he threatened that he could use the machine to create other copies of Kirk or anybody, but the idea of putting a marker in his brain was was a new thing that I thought was, was very interesting, and it put a different spin on the mind meld.
0: Yes, I agree, and it, uh, yeah, I definitely think that writers were uh, big fans of Star Trek. That was clear. Um, unlike, as you said, some of the books we read, where it seemed like maybe they weren't—they were just uh, writers who um, you know did one or two Star Trek Star Trek stories. But um, it's clear they were fans and they knew the show, um, and the mind meld. Um, and then there was another interesting twist on the mind meld, which is that um, uh, uh, Omni dies, and I use that in quotation marks. Um, he Spock is trying to get information from Omni uh, about where Kirk is hidden um, in, in this labyrinth, and so he forces the mind meld on him. And um, Omni then ends up committing suicide, although he, you know, a copy of him comes back, so he's not really dead. But, um, when Omni comes back, he then has the power to, um, do a mind meld because, uh, I don't think it was explained clearly, but because Spock was doing a meld with him at the moment of his death, death, um, he then, when he comes back to life, he then has taken on some of this power that Spock has, um. So that was kind of interesting because I've never really seen
1: that before. Yes, that once you mind meld, you can learn how to do it or something or get the ability. Yeah, that, that was that was a new twist that was um, that was different that hadn't been done before. And it's the other things. Oh yeah, poker. They like they, they did a lot of poker analogies in this book which and we know that that poker has been mentioned on Star Trek and of course and this was of course before the next generation but be, poker became a bigger thing on the next generation um and even chess you know they they did the um the chess plays in this book just like from whom gods destroy and that was pretty neat yeah
0: they did do chess and poker and i didn't even think about that when when i was reading
1: it but you're right yeah some things like you, you just associate it with Star Trek, and it's like, and sometimes you like it. Sometimes you can gloss over things because it's just so common. It's just something that's so embedded in you that you don't realize that it's like, oh look, that's there. You just think it, it, it's just a common thing. Like, yeah, we know it, okay? Oh,
0: but you know, there was one more thing I wanted to say about the mind, which is, it had. So there was another interesting twist on that. So um, when Spock thinks that Kirk has died and then Omni presents him with this clone that he's made and Spock says, you know, no, this, this is not Kirk. This is just a clone. And Omni says, well, you know, if you want to offer that Spock mind meld with him to show that this really is him inside the same person. And so he does. Um, And so then Spock has this connection to James, the clone and James I guess because he is a clone of the original Kirk um, has a mental connection to Kirk Jim. And so when um, Spock and the Romulan commander uh, and James are trying to find uh, Jim, the original Kirk in this labyrinth. uh, And there's there are actually Spock is apart from them for a while. um, And the Romulan commander is with James Spock is able to communicate mentally to James, and James can sort of communicate, or not communicate, but he can sense where where Jim is, so in that way, they're able to find Jim, is through the sort of, like, tele- telepathy using three people because of a mind meld.
1: Yes, that was interesting, too. That's something that's never been done, and it's, so, so you're reading it and thinking, like, oh, I mean, I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, that, that was neat. And it would be neat if they could do that with mind melds. Um, I mean, Discovery has shown that you can do like a mind meld or, or a mind meld link can last over. It can spread over several parsecs in space, as, like with Michael Burnham and Sarek. So, so it was an interesting idea that was in this book way back in the 70s.
0: Yeah, and they kind of also use the idea of, that you can communicate telepathically. Because um, towards the end of the book, when um, when Spock, and Jim, James, and the Romulan commander are all back on the Enterprise, um, they know that Omni's going to be coming back for them, um, and that he may be. They suspect he's going to tap into their communications and be listening to what they say. So they formulate this plan um, telepathically, which. We really haven't seen that either. I mean, we've seen where, you know, mind meld, you may be able to sort of get a sense of something, or, but it's not like you can have a conversation with someone. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was neat. Um, Yeah, because a mind meld, it, like there's a telepathic connection during the meld, but after the meld, we don't usually see that it, you know, they don't still have the connection. It's just that they might have still retained each other's memories to to a certain extent, not even completely, but. Yeah, so that was a different spin on it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think we have seen where after a meld, you know, the the people who melded with each other, maybe they can get a sense of where that person is, or a sense of the other person's emotion. Um, but it's never been where you can just, you know, you can have like a telepath, like you know, like the the data yeah. always, you yeah. do, that kind of thing.
1: And and another thing, um, one thing about the book though, it has that. So it has that female Romulan commander, but it never explained. How she got there, I mean, at at the end of, you know, the Enterprise incident, she was taken back on the Enterprise, and she would probably be going to a Federation prison, and this book never said what happened to her, you know, so how is she now back in the Romulan Empire, and, and someone who's, again, important to the Romulans, the book never explains that.
0: No, and it also did not explain what she's doing on this planet, um, yeah, they do explain that the enterprise is there because Omni had requested them there. I think to uh, mediate something. They weren't too clear on that, but he had invited them. So I guess I guess we can assume that he invited the Romulan commander. Uh, but you're right; it doesn't mention uh, how she's now back in the Romulan Empire, uh, commanding a ship again.
1: Okay, so now let's just go to. Any final thoughts or anything else that you liked or didn't like about it?
0: Well, I mean, I did like having her as a character. I liked, I've like i always liked her as a character, so it was nice to see her. Um, and um, th- we didn't really have a lot of other characters. I mean, McCoy's in it for a little bit. Um, there might be like Scotty and I think Uhura maybe have a, a, one or two lines. So it's pretty much just the whole story is uh, Kirk, Spock, um, Jim, or Kirk, Jim, and Spock, and then the Clone James and Romulan Commander and Omni. Um, so, if you like those characters, uh, that might be a, a good story. But to me, it just um, it's just not a book that I could recommend. There were some things that I could pick out and say that, yeah, that was neat. But um, it, like I said, it was just difficult to get through, and I just didn't enjoy it.
1: Well, yeah, a few things uh, to like about it. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, yes, I like that it had the Romulan commander as well, and the fact that it was a good examination of the Kirk-Spock relationship. And oh, well, even though it went overboard, I mean, <laughs> on the surface it looked good, but yeah, it got a little, it got a little too much. Um, well, I like that the writers were familiar with Star Trek. As we said, they they had actually watched the show and were fans of the show. And, um, and the fact that it it was a science fiction book in that it had these concepts of, of cloning. And so, so it examined that, that concept. Um, Yeah. Now, one thing that, that I really don't like is how it, you you know, it, it builds up Spock and the Romulan commander and all of Vulcans and Romulans. This book says they are just so superior to humans and, you know, and it, it makes out, you know, Kirk and, and James are such weaklings and the Romulans and Vulcans are so much stronger and more intelligent. And and you get tired of, of hearing that because, I mean, because it like the book never lets you forget that. Did you did you get that from this, too? Um, yeah. OK, not as much, but I just kind of. Yeah, it was one of the things I remembered about it. It was one of the little flaws that I kind of. Yeah, it, it just kind of. uh eh it irked me and even and and it actually it's more prevalent even when you read the sequel they go into it a lot more because james is in the romulan empire and they said they have to like he's a weakling living living among all these stronger people so to to um to keep his cover they have to i mean do little things like leaving leaving bottle caps kind of loose so he can open them i mean silly things like that they just oh they just get so much into that about how weak he is physically
0: yeah, you know, I there are, when you mentioned specifically living in the Romulan Empire, because they do, there is a kind of a longish scene at the end of this book where they're talking about um, James going back with the Romulan commander. And, you know, Dr. McCoy has given him surgery so he looks Romulan um, and done something to his blood to make it look green. But they still have to be concerned about, well, what if the. Um, you know, what if a Romulan picks a fight with him? Um, it's going to be apparent that he's, you know, not as strong. And um, the commander is thinking of ways that she can, you know, hide him. And one of her suggestions is, oh, well, there's this planet in the Romulan empire that's like a matriarchal society where the men, you know, are, are weak and they don't really, you know, they're kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're kind of like kept men, you know, they're, they have fancy clothes and, um, the women take good care of them, but they don't do anything manual. So it's kind of known uh, in the Romulan Empire that if you're from this planet and you're a man that, you know, OK, this is a person you can't really fight because they're, uh, you know, they they don't have the strength. Um, and um, so, they, you know, and, and Kirk is kind of like, well, I don't want to, you know, that's I don't want you to pretend that I'm some weakling prince um, from this, you know matriarchal planet um but but the commander said well you know it would be a good cover story um so they do go in a a lot about that about how he, he probably couldn't survive in the romulan empire because he didn't have the strength and there are some scenes um in this book where um you know he's gotten injured uh there's like this like when they're going through this labyrinth there's like a i got the impression it was like a a fireman's, uh, the kind of a slide, the pole slide that you have in a firehouse, where you have to slide down to different levels, and uh, he like he injures uh, yeah. his um, legs or his feet or something going sliding down this pole, and so then the Romulan commander has to carry him, and there is they do kind of make a big to-do about the Romulan commander kind of having to carry him around, and there's one scene oh, where she yes, kind of yeah. says, I don't want to, you know, appear weak. Like, I'll walk, I'll, I'll call my knees rather than have you carry me. And she's like, kind of saying, Well, you know, I'm stronger than you. So that's just, you know, the way it is. So yeah, now that I think about it, I probably at the time was kind of maybe rolling my eyes, and I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird because we do know that Vulcans and Romulans are stronger. Um, but,
1: but yeah. Car- he's an exceptional human so you, you would think he, he would find ways and he he probably is stronger than most humans and because he's so resourceful i mean you know he he's not as bad as the pook makes him look like i think that is the point um oh, but since you mentioned sliding down that the fireman's pole i kind of pictured batman you know how batman and robin had a pole where they slid down to the bat cave <laughs> <laughs> i made me think of that um uh, so, so, yeah, so you can tell that the book was written by two women in the sense that the Romulan commander was, yeah, like, could pick Kirk up and carry him around, yes, um, and, and um, the sequel was, it was I just want to say that the next book, The Fate of the Phoenix, was, it was slightly better in some ways, it was a more rounded story, because they actually, they went to more places, because in this book, most of the story was practically just, just in that one building, um, so in the second book, they went to other planets and things, and they also, and it also had more characters because, as you mentioned, this one only had a, a set group of characters, and it was basically just about them. Um, but, but it, in other ways, though, yet yeah, the next book still had the same flaws as this one, the the deep philosophical thinking and the, and um, you know, a lot of the The innuendos, uh, yeah, and a lot more stuff about Kirk's weakness and about the slavery things and other issues about male and female. Okay, so anyway, about this book, so I guess that's it. So we have basically said that this is not really, you know, one of our um, top books that we would recommend. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I'll just tell our listeners. So originally, Kamara and I were going to read both books to discuss them, and I it took me so long just to get through this first book that we were only doing this one because I haven't read and I don't know that I ever will read the second one. Now, I mean, now that you say that, it's better than this one. Maybe I will because I have it. But um, that's just to give you an idea. It just um, if, if a book's really good. You know, I'll read through it really fast, and if there's a sequel, I'll read through that pretty fast. But this one, I was just, uh, I just had such a difficulty reading it.
1: Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our Facebook group. Live long, and may the force be with you. Nanu Nanu.
0: This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow media programs.
1: Loading Hollow preview program for the Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast.
0: And I think we need to have a little bit of nudity in this episode too. <gasps> <laughs> the I'm down for that. Wait, wait a minute. Specify the nudity and who? No, Nelix, of course. No, thank you. Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what if if to Doctor Powell finds out a way to do it, and then, mm-hmm. however that happens, they get split up. All right, but okay. Chakotay still has the phage. Yes, but in Tuvok's info dump, what if Tuvok knows how to solve the phage? But secure the phage. Secure the okay. phage. But the only way to do that is to go to the resolutions planet. They go to New Earth? They go to New Earth, and Chakotay is beamed down, but something goes wrong with the transporter, and Janeway Mm -hmm. is beamed down on there as well.
1: Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast.
0: Who knows? I mean, what's the worst that happens? They all have a terrible experience, and you, you learn that, okay, maybe there's nothing we can really do to to get these people to work better and you know you go from there or aliens shear off the side of the delta flyer and they all die a horrible death in space <laughs> I mean that could happen too <laughs> Yeah that's also possible but then I guess I mean you'd have a whole new problem but that would solve the problem of 3 underperforming
1: crew members Loading Hollowsweet preview program for The Expanse an enterprise podcast We've talked previously about gratuitous... Yeah. You know, just showing off Jolien Bledock's bits and pieces, really, for no reason. That is one of them, isn't it? Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a male, so that stuff is, at least at this time, was mostly targeted at me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that she has not got a incredible physique because she she does, obviously she does. But yeah. whenever I see those moments now, I just think, God, it's so unnecessary. And I feel bad for Jolene. You know, like, did she get a choice? Did she mind? If she didn't mind, then I guess who cares? But that was really revealing, that shot through the sheet. It just seemed unnecessary. You didn't need that. Computer, deactivate Hollow Suite.